0: Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world.
1: Royal here for the Queen Mother champion, Chase, Finian Drobo will take the title and beat Sizing Europe. And as far as
2: Henderson and Gerrity are concerned on Ladies' Day, you can't beat that, it's three, as the gelding in the colours of Michael Busley takes the second Novich's hurdle.
1: Brainpower is a very smart horse indeed. Brainpower takes the international hurdle.
0: Constitution Hill, the to Michael Buckley, trained by Nicky Henderson, ridden by Nico de Boinville, a very easy winner of the Unibet Tolworth hurdle. And that's before we even talk about all those great horses in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. That's just the most recent chapter, Michael Buckley. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Nick. Nice to see
0: you. Yeah, you too. And uh, how does this compare the lead up to Cheltenham this year, the build up to Constitution Hill, the first race, a horse that you know, everyone. Has warmed to so much. How does it compare to all those great highlights?
3: Well, it's been an extraordinary thing because, for some reason, and I couldn't tell you exactly why, he's captured people's imagination in a way that none of the other horses had. Um, I mean, the last time that I spoke to you before Cheltenham, oddly enough, was when um, Finian's Rainbow was going to the Arkle and um, Spirit Sun for the for this race. The, mm. The first race, Um, and that was sort of quite interesting because you dragged me off for the morning line. I remember, yeah, um, down at Cheltenham on the first day. But for some reason or other, all sorts of people who I've never spoken (laughs) to before have rung up and asked to talk to me or find out what I thought or some article in the owner breeder I've never spoken to before. It's just interesting that this this horse, and I don't know where the vibe comes from exactly maybe it was Ruby Walsh who was meant to be commentating on a race in Ireland somewhere which went off late and when he was asked what he'd think of the finish in in his first race he said sorry I was watching this horse at Sandown coming up the hill and they don't often come up the hill to the finish line in that sort of way so but anyway it's fun I guess knowing me it's a bit stressful Um, and it's exciting
0: is part of the reason why you you're still doing this, why you're still learning race horses, is because you actually enjoy the stress of it a little bit. You, you sort of enjoy the ride.
3: Well, I I think I like. I wouldn't like to have a, very, a com- completely placid life. I don't think that would suit my temperament. I mean, sometimes when I've been for medical things, or I've hadn't been feeling too hot, and you go to the doctor, they said, you know, are you very stressed? And I said, well, I hope I'm a bit stressed because. That's what I enjoy. I like a, a bit of an edge in things, so um, so partially that, um, I think I bought this horse in a way. Well, first of all, Barry had talked about him to me some long time before he came up from set for sale, and you know, he'd imagined by then he'd have won a point to point and would have been sold, and I wasn't really looking for a horse. Um, and then the point- to- points were cancelled, and things didn't work out quite as he'd hoped for the horse. Um, and I think it was thinking about Nicky and my life together one day, and I thought, it would be nice to have another horse, because uh had been retired, he had an overreach, and I had two other horses that hadn't run at all during last season, and so the future for my s- string was two no-hopers. Well, not quite. You know, because one was sold and that was a sad story cuz I ended in partnership with Sam Vestey so he sadly had, had passed away during the year so that he wasn't very good so he went to the sale and I thought give it another roll of the dice with Nicky you know we're we're both getting on a bit and getting a bit more frail I suppose <laughs> well he poor thing as he talks about his eyesight's not so hot um and we look like we've got lucky, at least we know he's a good horse anyway. just a question of how good he might be.
0: We'll talk more about Constitution Hill a little bit later, but I want to dial it right back to, to your, your very early days as a, as a race horse owner, because that I don't know so much about. Sort of right back to, what, 74, when you were very young, first foray into it, what what made you do it?
3: I, I guess that... Um, I used to sneak off from the office when I was an article clerk and go to Plumpton on Monday afternoons, and I must have had a winning bet, and I thought, I like winning, having winning bets because we earned next to no money. I mean, it wasn't long after when you went to a firm, you were supposed to pay them so they could use you as slave labour for five <laughs> years. So I, And then I grew up on a farm, and my brother's great friend, who was a local corn merchant, and so he bought the produce from the farm, well, the corn, but also my brother bought all his fertilizers and cattle feed and so forth. So he used to go to Cheltenham, so he took me to Cheltenham and I thought this was such good fun. But it was really about the experience and having a bet when I was a kid, because I didn't, um, I remember going one bank holiday to um, Fomwell in May, and I was probably earning about five pounds a week at the time, And uh, things had gone very, very badly. I maybe had two five-pound notes, and I'd lost the first one. We came to the last race, and there was a a horse ridden by Josh Gifford, trained by Ryan Price, which was about three to one on. And I thought, I've got to get some (laughs) of this money back. So I put a five-pound bet on the tote for a place. Desperation. Desperate people do some stupid things, if not desperate. Anyway, the horse was well beaten, and the winner had gone past the post, and the second had gone past the post, and in the distance, after the last fence, was Josh Gibbard taking taking absolutely no interest in this race at all, (laughs) and I saw some desperate (laughs) figure behind him whipping his horse as hard as he could to try and get third place, and there is this lone figure screaming down the race course, look over your shoulder, look over your shoulder, and anyway, that was sort of how I began, and it was an inauspicious beginning. It wasn't great, I have to say. Um, <laughs> but it was fun, and somehow or another, I thought, these are wonderful animals. You kind of, I just got to think that I might love horses, and so some kids, they want to have a ra- you know a sports car when they start having a car. I just thought I'd love to have a, a have a, a horse. And I went to a, a stable near Lambord in Sparshall, tri- where Peter Bailey trained with a a pal of mine who had horses there. So he bought me this X flat horse. And as I've said before, the worst possible thing that could happen did happen. Um, it in its first race at Windsor, it won. Um, and actually, there's this very, very old friend of mine who I'll know will be watching called Colin Kennard, who watches all my races, bless him, and he came with me. And I remember when this horse crossed the line, I turned around and there he was in tears. Anyway, he had more tears later because we went to the bar, and I think we came out about two and a half hours later. And in those days, there was there were no ballots; you just went on till everyone wanted to run and had a run. Yeah. So I think there were fourteen races that day. Because they just divide and
0: divide and divide. Divide and divide and divide,
3: and divide, and divide till everybody wanted to run had a run. So we'd been drinking for hours and came out and there's still about four races to go. So it was a long, happy day.
0: Uh, such a happy day. And y- you hadn't made it
3: big by then, had you? You hadn't made your first fortune. so. W- w- you <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if I ever had a fortune, because I made any money, it all disappeared on horses. So what might have become a fortune suddenly uh, went off and buying horses in a sort of mad dash for a buzz.
0: But w- what struck me was when you said, you know, some people will go out and buy a sports car. I went out, out and bought a horse. Now, quite a lot of people would still go out and buy a sports car, even if they didn't really have the money to buy it. Relatively few people now in their 20s, early 20s, as you were then, would go out and buy by a racehorse. It was it's kind of a quite a cool, quite raffish thing to do, even then, I guess.
3: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I grew up on a farm, so horses were around. The hunt would come by. I mean, I was, we were never involved in I wasn't anyway in riding horses. Um, but uh, yeah, it was nuts, but I guess some people who've, well, you've known me a long time. I, I, I do have some eccentricities and so that was one of them.
0: It struck me that that early part, I mean this is a bit that I don't remember, the early part of when you were running racehorses, it, it was all quite straightforward. You were just winning big race after big race, a Hennessy, a Whitbread. What, did you not win two big races either side of the Atlantic on the same
3: day? Yeah, in 1976 I, I was in Camden, South Carolina, where this horse I and half of Grand Canyon had been invited to run in the Colonial Cup. Um, and then a horse that Peter Bailey trained won Zeta's son won the Hennessy the same morning, and we then, Pat Samuel owned this horse, and it ran in his colours, and I'd bought half of it at a lunch I, where I, I met him, actually. Um, and he owned Captain Christie that won the the uh, Gold Cup. And he said to me, all my horses are for sale. I said, well, you mean you'd sell Captain Christie? He said, if somebody offered enough money. I said, seems a bit cold-blooded. He said, but they can all go wrong. Anyway, I bought half of this horse, Grand Canyon had been winning Novice Hurdles by about 30 lengths. Um, and I remember from him, I wasn't at all certain how I was going to pay the £10,000 it cost, but anyway. Um, and on that afternoon, he rang me up and he said, do you remember what I said about setting Captain Christie? I said, yeah, he said, I've just had a phone call from Pat Taff and he's got a leg and he won't run in the Gold Cup. He said, that's my point, that... Um, you need to look at it objectively and so forth. Anyway, I haven't been very objective about horses in that sort of sense, I don't think.
0: A horse with a rather more obvious chance in a championship race and a defending champion as well is Flooring Porter, who runs in the Stairs Early. He was quite brilliant last year. He is trained by Gavin Cromwell, who joins me now. Uh, Gavin, good morning. Good morning, Nick. Uh, great to hear from you again. Thanks for coming on the show. This time last year, you expressed max confidence in flooring Porter. You were right. You expressed pretty well max confidence in Vanillia. And to everyone's delight who got on at huge prices, you were right. They are back, both of them. Are you coming in with the same sort of bullish feeling?
4: Um, I wouldn't say I had max confidence, but uh, I'm very certainly very happy with the horse's. And was happy with them last year. Uh, Yeah, they're both in in great nick. So, uh, yeah, they just arrived there this morning. um, A little bit of a delayed travel. Uh, They were supposed to leave here on the three o'clock boat yesterday and they didn't get going and sailing until nine last night. Uh, But they've got there and traveled fine.
0: That's good news. Flooring Port is an important horse to talk to you about because it's really about how, how he feels about the game and how he feels in himself. Are you in any way concerned about the effect of a big crowd on him this year?
4: Yeah, well, look, um, it's definitely a, a bit of a concern. Um, yeah, we certainly have to bear in mind. It, and, you know, I suppose the fact that we're bearing it in mind is, is um, we're going to try and help him as best we can. And, uh, you know, he's going to kind of wear a red hood to the start, which he didn't do last year. Probably didn't need it because there wasn't, you know, the crowds weren't there. Um, but I think he, he's certainly growing up. He's he's a lot more mature this year than he was last year. Uh, I suppose um, he's probably going there with a lot more respect this year. And, and um, I think there, there's probably trainers there that are aware that things have to go right for him. Um, you know, and, and that they're going to be bearing this in mind as well. So um, hopefully he can get off to a good start and. and uh, made the best horse win after that.
0: Now, Vanillier was, was brilliant in the Albert Bart last year. He, he's he been burning nice and slowly this season. Do you think he's coming to the peak where it matters for the three and three-quarter mile novice chase, the national hunt chase?
4: Yeah, he's definitely um, just he's one of those horses that seems to spark at this time of the year because uh, he's just come to a similar type of form in himself. Um, you know, just the last three weeks, you can really see see him come alive, and
0: um yeah, we're really looking forward to him. And he, he he looked a horse, yes, he was a relentless galloper in the Albert Bartlett, but he didn't look he didn't look short of speed. How long did you have to ponder which was the right target for him, or not really?
4: Um, No, not really. We actually always thought he was slower than he was, and <laughs> he, he he'd been racing in Ireland on heavy ground and, and slow ground, and, I think slow ground slows him down, I and mean, when he gets on on a nicer surface, he he shows another gear. Um, and look, clearly he stays very well. But but um, I'm looking, for, yeah. Look, I think that's this is his ideal ground. Um, and and I, I the trip won't be a problem.
0: And fortune favors the brave. We've talked about that a lot this morning already. And you've rolled the dice and supplemented Gabby Nacko to the Arkle. Um, what was the thinking behind that?
4: Um, I never really taught thought him to be a two minor, but he. I know we're looking at him on the screen making a, making a bad mistake, but in general, up to that in, in his, you know his his previous couple of races, he he jumped so well, um, and he's he's very quick through the air. Um, he has good cruising speed, and I think he's obviously he'll stay the trip well. So I think if he can if he can if he's not on top of his head in the first half of the race um and a clear round of jump and I think you'll come home well.
0: Who do you think's the horse to beat in that? Uh,
4: look at us well, I think yeah definitely Gordon's mayor.
0: Rivia Dettel Yeah,
4: absolutely. She um she's been consistent and improving all year. Um she'll stay the trip very well. I know it's the minimum trip, but I think she she'll come up the hill well. Um I think she's definitely the one to beat.
0: And have you um, declared White Pepper for the Boodles? I have. Um, She's a consistent mare that
4: is probably not very well handicapped. I'm sure there's plenty in the race that have a bit in hand where she probably doesn't. Um, But she's consistent and I think she'll run a good solid race.
0: Uh, Henry de on the line now. Hi, Henry. Hi there. How are you? Um, great. I mean, how are you? How are you feeling two days before um, this festival, at which last year you simply ran riot? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I'm okay. Not too bad. Um, yeah, not too bad. Bit wound up, but not too bad. Yeah.
0: I mean, okay. So more wound up than normal or not?
2: Uh, probably not. No. Probably probably the. Uh, sorry, like the normal every year or normal yeah. every day. Normal I mean, year because yeah probably it's similar yeah
0: but i mean because it was so good last year is it you set the bar that high for yourself do you think right I've, you know, anything less than that's going to be a disappointment or do you sort of recognize well these things just don't happen
2: yeah no i absolutely no i suppose no but i'd be wound up just trying to get the horses there as best yeah. as we possibly can so that's you know, I, I don't think I, I can't control that after, you know, that's out that, that of my hand. So um, obviously, you'd love to do as well as we did last year. But I think if we go there thinking if we could do half as well, um, we'd still have to be very happy, to be honest, you know, uh, because last year was just uh, extraordinary. Yeah, yeah.
0: So if you're going to assess the, the health of the whole string and say, right, how, how well are they as a group? What would you say now? What would be your report now?
5: I
2: think they're good. I, I, you know, I think they're good. Obviously, our stats, you know, everyone's throwing them out there. They could be better. Um, uh, but, the, you know, I, 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 personally, I found it more frustrating, different things. You know, a horse that was meant to run yesterday that would have possibly, possibly been odds on couldn't, you know, for a silly, niggly thing. You know, just we've had a lot of that but but maybe I'm making excuses you know I don't know you know um, but but they seem really healthy they they spoke well their bloods are great um, yeah obviously you'd like to have had more winners coming into the meeting but uh, but that's you know again that's, we, we don't and that's it
0: Tone will be set the first day we'll talk about Magic Days in a minute but I, we were discussing Honeysuckle you might have heard and I was, sort of saying, I was sort of saying that one of the reasons maybe why she is unbeaten is because Rachel can just commit her any time she wants and it doesn't really matter how the race is run. Um, do you share that view?
2: Um, well, yeah, she, yeah, we, we start, no matter how the race unfolds, like I suppose last year's champion hurdle, I'd never seen her that far out of the race, you know? and and. And it was perfect, you know, you know, that was obviously the pace they were going and and Rachel was happy to do that. Um, So, yeah, the way you say it, yeah, she just seems to be so good and have such a will to win that um, up till now, anyhow, she seems to, as you say, it, it, it doesn't seem to, there's no sort of set tactic that Rachel has to work with. She goes by the feel of it in the race and, 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 uh, and that's this, yeah. So, yeah, hope, yeah, I suppose it's a reflection on just, yeah, how good she is. Is it your reading of the
0: race that she's got more on her plate on Tuesday than she's ever had before?
2: Um, on ratings, uh, possibly not. I haven't really analysed it. You know, I, I mean, look, all, all I'm... It would sound silly. That, like, I, I obviously, appreciate it, Looks very good. Epitons, uh sounds like... Uh, you know, they're uh, happier with her than ever. Uh, Chiapu was very impressive. So, but, I mean, there were plenty, like, from memory, there were plenty like that last year as well, you know. So, um, I, I haven't really gone in-depth into the ratings, but um, I'd say it's similar. Like, her Benny Benida run was, um, you know, uh, that was way up there, I thought, you know, and plenty of them, like, just how she does it. And I suppose in the last she runs, She hasn't really had to go into, you know, she hasn't had to go all out. So, you know, we, we don't really know, um, uh, you, you, you know, she hasn't really, like, she has to be asked the question and we'll see, you know, but um, that was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> uh, so I think she has more on, on her later, not. Um, not, you know. I will, look, we'll see, we'll see yeah. uh, Listen, so, I,
0: yeah, I, I love listening to you show you're working, I really do and there's so many interesting questions with these horses obvious question I asked you the other morning um, what's the thinking behind sticking with Robbie for Manella Indo rather than going back to Jack?
2: Oh sure, look, he got on great with him and uh, and I suppose that's just what we've decided to do, you know we're, 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 um, uh, Robbie got a great tune out of him, not that Jack didn't obviously, but uh, yeah. Robbie's more likely to get available, you know, so, so that, that's just what we decided to do, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's a question of sort of you know for certain that he's going to be able to ride, and you also know pretty much for certain that he's going to be able to ride him from here on in for an ever and ever, an ever, an ever, I suppose.
2: Yeah, without committing to anything, you know, that's it. Like, it's it's continuity as well, and, and, and as you say, we know for sure that that's... We're, we're not um, uh, depending on on other people sure. with Robbie, you know. So, yeah. so like I, I think uh, we, we felt it made sense, and that was it. Yeah.
0: Get it, get it. Um, in terms of the horse himself, and this is what we should concentrate on. Last year, you made a big point, right? He comes to Cheltenham, he's kicking the door down. He's going, oh, great, I'm at Cheltenham again. Are we there yet? And is yeah. he doing that?
2: Well, that that was the third, the Friday morning, nearly, to be honest. You know, it was the Friday morning when he was watching the reruns of the racing. There was a TV <laughs> up off his table. Like I, I just couldn't believe it, and he was yeah genuinely You couldn't believe it, and um, yeah, he's definitely yeah. He, he he schooled this morning. He looked really well. He even he even sort of broke into a canter without actually being asked to, which is pretty uh, incredible for him because he's so laid back. Um, so, uh yeah we're, we're happy with him yeah we're really happy with him
0: is this a sp- is this a spring thing does he just start firing at this time of the year
2: yeah I've definitely said that recently I'm starting I, it's something I never really um understood or, or 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 sort of believed really but with him uh I'm starting to wonder or, or is it that we sort of are a- always aiming towards here I'm not sure but um he definitely seems to come alive I you know you're always having to sort of defend them a little bit going over there you know and, and yet when he gets there um he, he puts in his best run to the season you know
0: you know what he can do at Cheltenham I mean I don't think at any stage of last year that Aplutar looked like he was going to beat In though, but cards on the table now this year 2022 who do you think has got a better chance
2: <laughs> I'm sure you knew asking that question you weren't gonna get an answer.
0: Well um, not not necessarily. Not necessarily because I, no, even if even if you're wrong you're not gonna look a fool.
2: Yeah, no, I couldn't uh I you know I couldn't uh split them. Um actually, Tard's a year older, he's he's um he was a really impressive in the Betfair chase. Uh, he would have, without Indo, he'd have been a really impressive winner of it last year, um, beating a dual-gold cup winner. But, uh, so, so like, look, they're both, you know, again, once we can get them there in good shape, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see.
0: OK, here is here is a question that I think I, I will get a pretty good answer to, because um, it relates to a horse in the same colours. Two years ago, we were talking about Envoy Allen, even last year, we were talking about Envoy Allen as maybe maybe the best horse in training. Um, is it still possible that he's got that sort of star quality on what you're seeing in his training?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's um, he, he, did, he worked really well the other day. Um, and, uh, yeah, it is. It is, absolutely. Um, he seems in great form. Um, I'd say we're pretty much going to be going for the champion chase. He certainly has the pace for it. Whether he has, uh, uh, you know, uh, jumping at that speed, I suppose he hasn't really been put into it. Although they did go a ferocious gallop early on at Leopardstown at Christmas. Um, uh, so I, I, I think he will. Um, uh, and, and then we'll see from there. Um uh, yeah, he's got, he's, he's, he, he worked really well the other day, yeah.
0: So he's, he's, you know, all your superstars in the yard,
2: he would still knock your eye out in the morning. He, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he works, yeah. His, his work, his work, I mean, I, I don't work too much, you know, that, that often too hard, but, but yeah, this bit of work he did was pretty impressive the other day, definitely. Um, and, uh, so he certainly has the pace for it. Uh, I, uh you know, whether he has the experience of jumping at that speed yeah. versus another thing.
0: And of course, you're going to have the defending champ in the race, and we're going to speak yeah, to the owners absolutely. in a bit. Are we, oh, are we, oh, great, yeah. We've forgotten about
2: her prematurely? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, like, her slower run, I thought, was very similar to the year before, but the year before it was bottomless, and she got to get back at them, whereas this year it was good, and she was still coming back, you know, but... uh obviously didn't get there um, and then we changed tack and we went to Ferry House and looked up, that just didn't work at all um, she's definitely becoming a, last year she was good sort of heading over but it was only when she got there that she started to get that mad look about her um, whereas she's sort of starting to get that mad look already so hopefully um, she's coming back to herself she loves over there um, obviously, it's a very good race, but you know she had no chance in the Arkle. She won that. She had no chance in last year's Champion Chase. She won that. Um, you know she 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 is the defending champion, so uh, she, uh, she 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 I'd say she'll give a good account of herself. Yeah.
0: Well, she's got even less chance this year. So by that logic, she'll win by further.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it exactly. exactly. All right. So you hope to see all those. Fancy ones will be watching each other and they won't be watching our 2 So, yeah, we'll see.
0: How much better a horse do you think, if at all, Magic Days is going into the Arkle than Put the Kettle On was when she won it?
2: Put the Kettle On had uh, was higher rated over fences, I think, at, at the time. Um, uh, she She had a lot more experience. But Magic Days is... I I don't know what she did in the Mayor's Novice hurdle. I've tried to do that. I tried to do that two years previously and we couldn't with with two pretty decent Mare's Sonori and Manella Melody. And It was always something coming from the back but but Magic Day just maintained that gallop uh, the whole way. Now she's still only 135, 136 over hurdles so she needs to come on a lot um, for fences but I remember when Robbie came in on her, we both just said um, she could be a right one for the Arkle. you know, if, if she jumped a fence as well as she jumped a hurdle, which in Cork a couple of runs ago she did. Um, but look, she's still on ratings. She has to step up a fair bus, but uh, she goes a good lick. She uh, the, Her second run over fences in Cork, it just, it, 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 you just have to watch her, like, jumping. She's, she was electric. And... Um, Yeah, we'll see, you know, we'll
0: see. Are you just going to let her rip, come what may, even
2: with St Sam and the others in the race? We'll see. I wouldn't like to fully commit to it, but she'll go... She jumps very quick. she loves to go a good even gallop. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't like to do it and cut our throats either, you know. So it'll be... Good and positive over the first few, those first three or four up up the straight, mm. and then um, and then see how it unfolds. You know, like last year, Captain Guinness sort of got into a fight with um, there's the other horse, the skeleton horse in the race. Yeah, and, all, uh, for all mankind. Yeah. Yeah, and we kind of, you know, we couldn't pull back, you know, and and uh, so you would, you know, that that was probably. But she, I think she'll bounce out good and positive and, and then Dara has to assess it after that, I presume, yeah.
0: Big ride for him. Um, it leaves Rachel on on Sublime, who's sort of lurking there in the in the Arkle. Is he more than a lurker?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like a 150-rated hurdler. His first run was very good um, behind Fernie Hollow. Um, he probably only just sort of gets the two miles Um his first run was very good. And then I kinda it was only three weeks till Christmas and I'd say I backed off him a bit after his first run and he caught me out a bit. Um and uh so, anyhow, yeah, he he ran fine at Christmas. The extra furlong at Leopard Town wouldn't have helped him, uh, the two one. And um and then he he got job done at Gorin. But like he's a 150 hurdler, I think he's 151 uh, in England over Fences, I think, um, in the grand annual, that's what he is. So, um, yeah, he'll, he'll enjoy sitting in just off the, the fast pace, and yeah, I'd hope he could run really well as well, yeah.
0: Um, I'll just spin through one or two of the big high-profile ones. Uh, tell me something, girl, in, in the Mayor's Hurdle, I mean, the, the chance is there for everybody to see. Are you pretty happy with where you've got her?
2: Yeah, yeah, again, she worked well the other day. So yeah, we were happy. Yeah,
0: yeah. What's the what's the key to her do you think? What bring out the best in
2: her? Um she she just I, I think she's pretty straightforward to be honest, you know, so um we'll see. I am not sure what Rachel wants to do with her as yet, but uh she was really impressive last year. The step up and triple will suit her and um you know, she's she's in good form, yeah, she's good.
0: And obviously, one of the the great novice stars of last year's festival was was Bob Bollinger. I don't think I've ever heard a horse talked about having a, having actually uh, having so little evidence to go on about his about his chasing career um, in, in the lead up to a, in the lead up to a festival race. How do you envisage his clash with Galopandechart and and what sort of form's he
2: in? Um, he seems in great form. Uh, he worked really well at Navin the other day and schooled well. Um, uh, yeah, look, I didn't think there was going to be a clash. Willie keeps telling me he's definitely not going to run in the um, in the tuck, but we'll see, we'll see. Willie if I if I committed to the tourners, he wouldn't run in it. So, uh, but anyway, look, there's plenty of other ones in there as well. And no, um, uh, we'll see, we'll see. Like, we'll ca-
0: look, we can ju- we can just about we can just about hack a, a three runner race. We can almost hack a match. We can't hack a walkover.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, as I say, there's plenty of other ones. Venetia's horse looks very good. I don't know where they, if they've committed or not. No, they're going and, up in and, trip, apparently. OK, and I'm sure there are others that I, I should mention, but, but I'm just focusing on my own ones, really.
0: Uh, quite right, too. But on the basis that we think it's going to be a tiny field, is that in any way problematic for your horse?
2: I don't think so, no. He's a very good horse, our fella. So, you know, we'll just see. We'll see, like, you know... I, yeah, I mean, people are questioning his jumping. Maybe he's not lightning fast, but that's why. I sort of, we said it at the start. He was never really an arco horse because he doesn't jump lightning quick. You know, he's more a staying type of horse. So, uh, but I think he jumps plenty quick enough. Rachel was delighted with him at Navin the other day, and um, yeah, yeah. Look, you know, we'll see, we'll see, and uh, well, you know, uh, we'll, we'll all find out uh, on Thursday.
0: You will be relieved that I only have one one more question for you, and that's whether Journey with Me is going to win the Ballymore and beat Sir Gerhard.
2: Um, well, I on on bare form, I suppose he beat Kilcrod easier than Sir Gerhard did. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Sir Gerhard's been very impressive. Uh, it's interesting they're stepping right up in trip with him. Um, so. Um, uh, our fellow we know stays well good galloping horse and you know his form is there he's, he's he's you know he's done nothing wrong so far
0: Okay I'm I'm not going to be cruel and say okay who's your best chance of the week because you've got our well, don't you know I won't answer
2: that then, Well yet.
0: no but you might answer this you might answer this If there's a horse that's going to surprise people who might that be
2: Um I'm not even going to put the shackles on that horse. I'm afraid, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not. No.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll suggest a couple that you've 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 been positive about. I thought you were positive enough about Curse of to make me want to go and have a few quid each way on him.
2: Yeah, I don't think there'd be any harm in that. I didn't think that would be a surprise, though. You know. Um,
0: no, not a, know. not a massive one.
2: Yeah, yeah. I would know there'd be no harm in that. He's, he's as I say, the high class hurdler. He jumps really well. Um, I think the fast pace will suit him. It's just under two miles, which I think will suit him. You know, you look at him there beside Fernie Hollow in time, coming to the second lap. You know, it was only between the last two um, or even after the lap. I think we hit the front at one stage. You know, he's, he's got a lot of pace, but he just... Uh, that's why Leopardstown was always concerned because it's two miles, one there. Um, and... Uh, So, yeah, I think he could run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, At the end of that round, Henry de Bromhead, you have about 12 points and about 12
2: passes. (laughs) Very good. That's not too bad for me.
0: Um, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Deadly. Thanks a million. Good luck. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks, Henry. I enjoyed that.
5: You can feel the stress, (laughs) can't you? You can actually feel it.
0: Oh, God. Who'd be a trainer Sunday before Cheltenham? Mm Mm-hmm. I, I think there were a few little nuggets in there.
5: I'm just, I'm still shocked by how many horses are in the Arkle still, because so many of those I thought would go to the Grand Annual, um, and Curse of was one of those, which we were waiting on his mark, and now we don't know what they're going to do. So that's a real wild card, that race for me now.
0: Is, apart from all the obvious stuff, which you've got, and I agree, you know, what can he really say about Honeysuckle, other than she's in good form, she's not in good form, you know? But... Envoy Allen, isn't, isn't he one of the most interesting horses running next week?
5: He's a forgotten one, that's for sure. Um, I kind of hope I would have chimed in there because quite, I'm quite interested in uh, Chantress that Henry's got for the Albert Bartlett. Um, he won a race that he's uh, won with a couple of his good horses and obviously he's got a good recent record in the Albert Bartlett. I won it with Manila Indo, so I've got my eye on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Envoy Allen, I love this sort of... Uh, he's Irish Racing's chosen son and he couldn't be beaten... And now he's suddenly on the redemption trail, and that's what makes our sport so great. We'll see if he can do it.
6: But if he,
0: if he was in form, if he was in the form he was two years ago, um, or even you know before he he made the switch last year, he's he's a deadly talent.
5: He is, and the trip is an interesting question mark. As Henry said, he doesn't have a lot of experience going two mile pace, and there could be quite a lot of pace in the in the Champion Chase if you have the Just likes of. Uh, editor de Geek, Chuck and Passoir and Ergamine, etc. There's another one that's that's passed me by there. Um, I quite oh. fancy newbie Negra to run well because he's the only one who I can see being held up. Mm. Um, but that's going to be a new challenge for Embo So
0: So, uh, race race of the week?
5: Could be. Certainly could be. So could the match between uh Shams and Bob Olinger, if it happens.
0: Well, uh, as Henry de Bromhead said about put the kettle on, she had no chance in the Arkles. she won it. She had no chance in the champion chase, she won it. As I said, she has even less chance this, way, this year, so maybe she'll win it further. Um, she is owned by a terrific group of people, uh, many members of the, of the Dermody family, and I think Michael, I'm hoping, is, uh, is on the line now. And th- Michael, good morning. Morning, Nick, how are you doing? W- were you sufficiently buoyed by your trainer there?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's very positive. The fact that the fact that he's pushing to go to the champion chase, you know, is a big positive for us. I think even last year, he was he was more inclined to go to the mayor's chase than he is this year, which, which is positive and, and kind of a bit strange given the way our farmer's been this year. She probably hasn't been running as well. Do, was there any real appetite
0: amongst any of Clan Dermody to, to actually run her in the mayor's chase? Wouldn't you have felt a bit deflated walking in there with a, an and champion chase heroine doing that?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, last year, we never wanted to go to the mayor's chase. You see all the speculation, but it was never something in our mind at all. I think as far as I'm concerned, you're, you're better off being third in the champion chase than winning the mayor's chase. I mean, I mean, to, to my mind, if you won the marriage chase by 10 lengths, you'd be saying you should have ran the champion chase. So I think there's never a question for us once she won the Arkel, we unless her form totally collapsed, we, we were always going to go for the champion chase.
0: With talk like that, you're, you're borderline heroic. I mean, we've managed to assemble people on this programme, all of whom want to have a, a proper crack. Cromwell with Gabby Nacco. Michael Buckley wants to take on Honeysuckle with Constitution Hill at Punchestown. Now here you are. Who wants to run in the mayor's chase? We want to go for the champion chase. She's a proper grade one horse. But more than that, tell us what she means to, to your family, not just to your family, but to everyone where you come from.
1: Yeah, I mean, she means an awful lot. Uh, obviously, we're not big owners or anything. We only have one horse, basically, and uh, um, you know, like everyone, all everyone talks about is the horse. When is she running? Does she have a chance? And you know, I think because she's been such big prices and and unconsidered really the last two years, I think a lot of the local people have made have made a decent chunk of money off her as well, just by just by following the local horse. You know. And um, so that's great to hear, like you love hearing stories of people going for a weekend away on and, and whatever, the five or 600 they made from, from Kettle winning, you know, so those kind of stories are great. And yeah, I mean, it's all we talk about at home is, <laughs> is how's the mayor going and we're talking to Henry and all this and yeah, so it's huge.
0: And, and am I right in thinking that the, the local school, once again, will, the lessons will be suspended so that they can, they can go and watch Kettle running in the Queen Mother champion chase?
1: Yeah, definitely in the school John teaches in, anyway. <laughs> there won't be much done that day, I'd say.
0: So this is, this is your brother John, and it's, um, it's the school in, in, in Ballyhale, that's right, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's where we're from, Ballyhale, yeah, yeah. Um, and John teaches in a different school, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say in both schools it'd be fairly quiet that day.
0: Fantastic. I mean, what a journey uh, you guys have been on, just €22,000. When, when you first got together to buy her, did you have, what did you have in your mind, realistically?
1: Yeah, so my uncle, uh, my late uncle was, uh, he was pushing us to farm a, syndic- a syndicate, and uh, so we had a couple of horses, and we didn't have any luck, you know, as as the nature of the game is, and then we bought another mare and sent her to Henry, and she was called the Dream Still Alive, and she was a great mare. Um, she won four races in a row, and uh, but then she had tendon problems, so we sold her for about, I think it was about 25000 and then for breeding, and then... That's all we left in the budget then to buy to buy another one. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're just hoping to get one that could pay our way. Really, uh, that would have been the dream. And to win a race, like you just hope you can get one that, first of all, I can make it to the track, so you can have a day out, and then win a race would be the dream. But, I mean, it's lottery ticket stuff. What's after happening with her? Well, it might be a rollover next but, week. Well, hopefully, yeah. I mean, it's a very hot race this year. You've you've the two novices. Uh, the two horses coming out of novice ranks that are very impressive. Um, so it, lo- it looks it looks like a very hot race, but um, we'll see. I mean, yeah, she, she, she's always unconsidered. So we'll see. I, I know she'll come up the hill as fast as anything anyway. It's just, it's just where she is at the bottom of it is, is is the question.
0: Well put. Michael, best of luck. Thanks so much for talking to me. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Well, my final guest today is part of Cheltenham Festival folklore because it was he who won the champion hurdle three times on CU then. Cruelly nicknamed by the racing media CU when, as he would hardly ever hit a race course, but he was a testament to the brilliant training of Nicky Henderson, who nursed him to the Cheltenham Festival each year to victory. Uh, Steve Smith-Eccles had an amazing career. He had over 5,000 rides and a great strike rate at that time as well of over 800 winners. Not only that, his career spanned an extraordinary length of time for a jockey at that time, beginning in 1974 and not ending until 1993. He famously said that the game had given him up, not the other way round, and but for that, he'd probably still be riding today at a very youthful 66. Steve Smith-Eccles, welcome to the show. Cheers, Nick. How are you? You've had some life.
6: I have. I've been very, very lucky in the respect that I rode some very nice horses for some very nice people.
0: And see you then, of course, will always be the horse that defines you, really. Do you think every rider, when they come to the end of their career, needs a horse like that? Or is it, does it become a burden as you go on through your career?
6: Certainly not a burden. I mean, it's a, an honour and a privilege to ride horses like that. Um, I had one before him that I, I really did enjoy riding uh, Tingle Creek
0: tingle creek yeah. the legendary tingle creek ex-american yeah. and that was part of your time riding a lot for for tom jones
6: that's it i was apprenticed to tom jones uh for five years took over his first jockey uh two years after my apprenticeship finished uh, ian watkinson was riding for him prior to that was uh, uh david mold and i must give david mold a mention because schooling with him he seemed to take me under his wing he he we, we got on so great together. He taught me all I know. And David Mould was a fantastic jockey, as people in them, those days can uh, uh, remember. You, you, your career sort of
0: spans two quite distinct generations of jockeys as well. The fact that you were starting with people like David yeah. Mould yeah. and Jeff King, and David Nicholson would still have been, he was been still riding yeah. When, yeah. When, when you started. Yeah. Do you look back on that and think, that seems an eternity ago, those names? <laughs>
6: Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I don't feel that old.
0: I'm, you don't I, look I, it.
6: Well, whatever. But I mean, mentally, I'm, I'm still virtually riding in my riding days. That's how I look at life. When I wake up in the morning, what am I going to do today? I've always got to do something. And uh, OK, I've had to mellow a little bit and slow down, but uh, I still enjoy life to the full. So what was it
0: like riding with those guys then? Those guys who were still kind of 19, what you would call 1960s jockeys?
6: Yeah. Well, it was a privilege to ride with them. I mean, it was tough in those days. And uh, if you stepped out of line, you get stamped on straight away. So you had to behave yourself. But the one thing they did do, they taught you. They all, for whatever reason, as I said about David Mould, Jeff King, they all took me under their wing. When I first started, and I don't, I don't know why that happened, but it, it was great for me, and I, I rose to the ranks so quickly. It, 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 it's, 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 it's like a dream. I, th- well, I think back to Stephen Thackles a jockey. It's like a dream. Because you, you came from a coal mining family, didn't you? Born and bred in the coal mining family in uh, Derbyshire. Uh, when you reach the age of 14, like my dad, he got sent down the mine. There's no ifs, no buts. He was down there with his father and uh, all his brothers and whatever. And dad took me down there one day on a Sunday. I was about 12 years of age. And he took me down to pit bottom. And the most scary thing in my life was going down in this cage from the, the top to the pit bottom. And it went down like an ex-set missile. And it was unbelievable. And dad did this every day. And he, all he did was take me down to the pit bomb, showed me around where everybody congregated and then moved off to uh, the coal face. And it could be a mile underground, two, uh, two miles underground and three miles to where the coal face is. And they used to have to walk and crawl and he'd be on his hands and knees hacking out coal. Oh,
0: that was enough to make you think... I
6: that, Well, don't... he did that deliberately. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't want me to go down the mine, which, thank God, I didn't. Uh, I was lucky to pass my 11 plus, so I went to grammar school. I was grammar school educated, and I didn't sit my O levels because I left before the O levels came up. Mum and Dad wrote off to uh, three different trainers to get me into racing. One was Arthur Stevenson, Cock of the North. The other one was uh, Frenchie Nicholson. Mm -hmm. He didn't take kids under uh, seven stone. No, all his kids needed to be under seven stone. And the third, was Harry Thompson Jones and he took me on a month's trial. And that was the first horse I ever saw when I went into Tom Jones's yard, age 15. Prior to that, the only thing I'd ever sat on was a donkey on Skegness Beach and a pit pony when they came up from the the mines in the summer.
0: So was it you or your parents who wanted you to go into racing? What What was the impetus?
6: Dad and my uncle, they used to watch racing Every Saturday afternoon black and white on TV. I used to walk by the sofa and tell you, I'm going to be a jockey when I grow up dad Carry on walking and all the way through my grammar school uh, schooling uh, The careers officer used to say uh, Smith Eggles, what you what, what what do you fancy doing? I'm going to be a jockey and that flunks them and that was it
0: And presumably it, you- it, it's,
6: it's, it's crazy but that's
0: yeah, the top Top you, you you passed your eleven plus. You were saying you were at grammar school. You were good school. Yeah. You're clearly pretty bright. Yeah. But you were totally tunnel vision. Yeah. On wanting to be a jockey. Crazy. Okay, so when you first sat on a racehorse at Thompson Jones's. Yeah. What did it feel like? Did it feel like the most natural thing to you?
6: Not in the no, uh, nowhere near it. Um, the first horse I sat on was a horse called Battalonius, He was the old act. and we had to trot him around the sand ring. I couldn't, jump saddle. <laughs> For the first three days, I had the sorest backside in Newmarket. And then, something clicked. And then we went out on the heath, following the string, moved up a, a notch onto a, an old horse that uh, was still racing. Uh, and then, within three months, I rode a gallop with a, a guy called Lester Pickett. How was that? Unbelievable. But, I mean, th- I think anybody can learn to ride to a certain standard but it's what happens then and for me having taught uh, kids jo- as a jockey coach you can teach every- everybody to ride to a certain standard but the ones that are going to make it mm-hmm. have that inner it's an essence in there and it's got to be bought out and if it's there you can bring it out if it's not there you can give them any amount of practice but so that's as good as it's going to be what you see there
0: so who brought out your essence?
6: Good question. There was no uh, jockey coaching around in those days. Uh, I just watched other people. Uh, there was one old boy in the stable, uh, Christy, um, an old boy, an old Irish boy. He took me under his wing, and he learnt me the basics and whatever. But I, I just watched. Stan Mello was first jockey. used to come down and do the schooling and whatever. I wasn't schooling at the time, but I used to watch him. And asking questions on the way back, uh, uh, back to the stables and whatever.
0: Now there's a man who, whenever I have anybody in that chair who has seen Stan Meller riding a horse, they, they sort of get all hushed and say, "This was something to
6: behold." Yeah, he was the first man to ride 1,000 winners. What on was a, so good about it? On a horse called Uzo, for Tom Jones. Mm. Um, I don't. He was just, just a natural. He was just a genius. Horses ran for him. Didn't have any weight problems or anything like that. And everything he wrote, he gave a ride to. Unbelievable.
0: So, would you model yourself a little bit on? uh...
6: A little bit, a little bit, but more more so David Mold, mm. because I never schooled with Stan. I schooled with David, and he was a fantastic uh, jockey. David, lovely pair of hands, cool as a cucumber.
0: Now, you don't strike me as someone who was ever short of self belief during your during your career. Yeah. Uh, when you started riding in races, did you think, yeah, I belong here? Or did it take a while?
6: Well, funny enough, the first ride I ever had over hurdles Fen- over was at uh, Huntingdon, And it was uh, for a, a permit trainer out in the, uh, out in the Fens. And uh, he'd ran a couple of times. And uh, Jimmy Scallum was due to ride it. But he, he, got to, he, he worked at Tom Jones with us. He rode one for Tom, Tempered Steel. And he gave me the leg up on this, uh, this horse. And this is no word of a lie. We go at the first hurdle. The horse screws in mid-air. And all of a sudden, I find myself with two feet on one side of the saddle. Just about to fall off. When the guy on the inside pushed me back in the saddle. Alright, Okay. <laughs> right? So we go around. Uh, we come up to the uh, last hurdle. And this is no word of a lie, coming to the last hurdle, we're out the back, there's a guy in front of me, and about three or four lengths, uh, this side of him, for the rail. So I'm going to come up the rail. So as I come up the rail, going to the last hurdle, this guy (laughs) slams me against the the rail. Don't you dare stick up my inside, he (laughs) says. And it was the same guy Uh, that pushed me back in the saddle at the first hurdle.
0: So it helped you up to a point. Yes. But don't take the mickey. Exactly.